Destiny Philoxy, and you're listening to UMass Women's Basketball on 91.1 WMUA. Welcome to episode four, episode nine, there we go, of the UMass Women's Basketball Show here on WMUA. 91.1 FM Amherst, the official radio network of UMass Women's Basketball. Alongside Beckett Story, Sam Kinchis, and Chris Vogel, I'm your host for today, Jacob Munch. And UMass Women's Basketball is coming off a exciting weekend down in Arizona. The AP poll just came out as well. UMass received zero votes, and the net rankings came out for the first time this year. UMass is 53rd in the net rankings the first time those have come out so we will dis- dissect all that and more on this episode nine of the umass women's basketball show but first a reminder that this show is brought to you by the quarters located just off the bike trail on route nine in hadley the quarters offers unlimited arcade play with 25 vintage games from the 80s and 90s as well as a full food menu, draft beers, and cocktails. Weekly events at the quarters include Monday trivia, Thursday karaoke, and weekend morning unlimited cereal buffet and cartoons. The quarters also offers private events. The quarters is online at hadleyquarters.com and on Instagram and Facebook. I'd also quickly like to give a big shout-out and thanks to Sean Crespin and Arizona State for lending us their equipment this weekend so we could call both the games down in Tempe. That was huge by them and kind of a full-circle moment. If you listen to the broadcast, you learned that WMUA students did that to Arizona State broadcasters three years ago in Connecticut. But anyway, fellas, welcome to Episode 9. UMass suffered their second loss of the season yesterday. I guess two days ago to Mizzou, but they also defeated Arizona State. Sam, we'll start with you. Your thoughts on this weekend. This is their first win against a Power 5 opponent in some time. I mean, it was absolutely just dominant from the get-go, and Angelica Lee, Galanti have a game. This is arguably, no, not arguably, this was her best game as a minute woman by far. 21 points. She was absolutely dominant. McKenna White, not on the lineup. She stepped up and played her best game as a minute Minute woman, three blocks, seven rebounds, an assist. She was all over the place. And the minute woman dominated from the get-go. A very complete game from start to finish. Yeah, I think they're right where you thought they would be at this point in the season. I think if you w- looked at the schedule for the first ten games, you say, okay, you're probably not going to beat Tennessee, and you're probably going to try to split in Arizona. That's exactly what they've done, and they've taken care of business in the rest of the games. They're in great position to put themselves in position for to open up conference play and then work towards that large bit if something happens in the tournament. UMass has three non-conference games left, all of them at home here at the Mullen Center before conference play starts. They actually, this weekend, will be getting a five-game homestand, so a lot of getting to stay home for the Minute Women, which I think is nice because the schedule kind of made this weekend extra difficult for the Minute Women. But, Beckett, I think it was very important for UMass to come away feeling positive about this team, especially having compared to some Power 5 schools? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the the series in Tempe, I think it's really just a tale of two games. You know, you're talking that first game, multiple career highs from the team, multiple just great individual performances and a great team performance. But then you turn to Mizzou and, and things started to go a little haywire there. And obviously there was a big, a big missing piece there, as we all know. Um... Don't know much about that, but 
I'm sure you do. Uh, but yeah, just just a disappointing way to end that road trip. But yeah, good good time to make win five games in front of the home fans. Yeah, and I think hopefully they can build momentum off of that. That Arizona State game was not only the best game they've played all season, but I think was the best game they've played in the last couple of years with how complete and thorough and dominating it was. Oh, especially given the fact they had a 14-hour travel day the day before and hadn't practiced in three days because prior to the travel day was the Yale game. And so I think it was incredibly impressive, the Arizona State win. And you look up and down the box score, and there's so many major contributors, like you said, Beckett. I mean, Bernaya Mayo with her career high in assists, having 10, Angelique Galakulondi, the great day. But I also think that... Layla Fair is developing really nicely for UMass. She's been thrown into the fire with the white injury, but I think she's been fantastic for the Minute Women. Almost a double-double in that game against Arizona State. Eight points, ten rebounds. And like you say, Jacob, you look all up and down. Everyone's contributing. Bernaya Mayo had an off game scoring-wise, but she contributed ten assists. Sydney Taylor in the Arizona State game at 13 points. She also had ni- she had nine assists. They were moving the ball really well, getting everybody involved. And it's a really nice cohesion of team basketball, and it's shown their chemistry, given how long these these people they've played together. It's just really great to see, and it's reassuring that they trust each other. I think that if we can see Layla Fair step up and be more consistent moving forward, and that's going to come along with also getting her minutes. That she can be a great piece off the bench for this uh, middle woman roster. Struggled a little bit against Missouri. Only played 14 minutes. Only took four shots. Ideally, I want to see her playing that 15 to 20 minutes a game and try to get her 8 to 10 shots. Her usage is just very low still at this point in the season. And I think the issue a little bit for Fair in that Mizzou game was because she was playing two different positions. It's hard to learn the playbook for one position. Now put yourself in a second position. She played both the... She's typically played just the five this season, but in the Mizzou game, they moved Sam Breen to the three at for points, had Fair play the four with Galakulondi at the five. It just makes it tougher for a new player to really understand the playbook when you're trying to learn multiple positions. But I think Fair did a fine job with it. Um, I do think Mizzou is a better team than Arizona State, and I think we'll see that as this year plays out. And as impressive as the Arizona State win was, that Missouri loss, I think, is really going to hurt as this season goes along. It was a too little too late. You look just how the, the scoring split up of how often they were leading in the first, got out to an eight-point deficit in the sec, going into the half. The deficit contributed, and they outscored them in the fourth quarter, but it was just too little too late. I mean, they, it was great, the effort, but they just let it get out of hand too much, and I agree with you, Jacob. I feel like this is a, this was a winnable game, let alone without two of their key contributors, which was yeah. kind of crazy to me. The fact that two, like McKenna White and Taylor did not play, and they still were in this game for the most part. It was reassuring, but this is still a winnable game nonetheless. Yeah, and I think it especially hurts looking at the final score. You know, they lose by five. They missed five free throws. And the, the uh, three-point percentage wasn't as good as it's been, especially in that Arizona State game, which we said was the best game of the season. But, yeah, I mean, I think it really hurts to see them even shooting almost 20% under their their, uh, regular free throw percentage for the season in that loss, especially losing only by five points. Yeah, they really struggled in the middle part of that game. You Mm -hmm. look, they shot 35% in the second quarter, only 27.78% from the field in the third. They struggled to finish near the rim. Against top teams, you're going to have to finish inside 
if you're not executing on the easiest points of the game, you're going to struggle to be the top team. And you just hit the nail on the head when it comes to missing layups, missing down low. UMass missed 10 layups in a row in the second and third quarter. You Against good teams, especially like Missouri, you, if you make those layups, it's a whole different story. Some of them were highly contested. Some of them weren't. And that's where maybe the fatigue comes into play as well. This game's also tough because if you look at the final box score, it looks like they did a lot of good things. They only had seven turnovers against a Power 5 team. And they forced 18. Yeah, and they had 11 steals. And they didn't foul very often. Like, they dominated in the paint. They had 38 to 14 was their advantage in the paint. They had more fast break points, more second chance points, more points off of turnovers. I guess they just didn't shoot the ball well enough. And also rebounding-wise, they got out-rebounded by nine. And I think I think this game's a whole different story if, one, they have more rest, but, two, if they have Sidney Taylor. Um, Taylor's absence hurt, but it was great to see the contributions from Alexia Brooks, Kristen Williams, and Steph Kuleja. I want to get your guys' thoughts on how you thought any of those three played or the three of them as a unit. I was most impressed by Steph Kuleja. I was really hoping that this year she would step into a more prominent role, get more minutes. She's very talented. She was out last year with a hand injury, and she made the most out of her minutes. She got 10 minutes, 7 points, 2 rebounds, and she was just, she got a steal, and she just made the most out of her minutes and contributed. She was playing a lot in the fourth quarter, in crunch time, which shows how Verdi really trusted her in those moments. And for somebody who hasn't really played that much a season, for your coach to trust you in those moments, that says something that I feel she's really going to get some momentum going and really integrate herself more into the system. Yeah, I think the coaching staff put her on the floor late in that game because they were down by a lot and they needed a three-pointer. And it just seems like it was a little bit of a shot in the wind. Like, Kuleja is a very good three-pointer but hasn't played at all this season so it looked like they were just hoping to get a three and then maybe that propels the rest of the team to momentum but Kuleja decided I'll create the momentum myself she hit the three then she gets a layup immediately gets a steal another layup all of a sudden it's a seven point swing because of her play and the team was re-energized because of that that's what taking advantage of your opportunities about she's had opportunities before where she fouls turnovers and like quickly is done, but she made it so that the coaching staff couldn't take her off the floor for the last four minutes of that game. The other thing you want to note on her, you don't see this a lot for somebody that's under six feet, two offensive rebounds in just 10 minutes. Those are huge on that run to get them back in the game. I also feel that this shows the depth of this team. We talk about this team all the time, relying so much on their starters. Maybe Verdi's going to have to really look around like, okay, let's maybe try to integrate these people these players in more because there's a lot of talent to go around on this team and it showed in this game and I feel like if there's anything that can come away from the Missouri game it's players that usually don't get an opportunity really prove themselves I felt this weekend yeah I mean I think that's a really good point like it stinks that they didn't come out with the win but I think the fact that without arguably their number one scoring option Mm -hmm. maybe number two you know toss it up in the air (laughs) but Without their number one scoring option, they lost to a Power 5 team by only five points. I mean, yeah, obviously, they could have come out with a win. Like you said, Jacob, missed a bunch of layups. But I think it bodes well for this team. You know, it's still early. Conference play hasn't started yet. I think that's a kind of game that really, you know, everyone sits around in the locker room after the game and say, we could have won this game. We know what we have to do to get better. 
we can make those changes. And Jacob, you talk a lot about, you've talked a lot about like moral victories, like after the Tennessee game. Would you consider this, I guess, one of those moral victories in that sense? I personally did not think of the Arizona State win or the especially the Mizzou loss as a moral victory. I personally, like there's a lot of valid excuses you can use for UMass losing the Missouri game, particularly the Sidney Taylor absence not playing and the schedule as well because five games in eight days is brutal, especially when you include, oh, a flight back from Miami and flights to Phoenix. Like that's very hard. Um, but I think if UMass wants to be where they're at, if they want to get ranked, you have to win. And I think this loss really negates their options. But it's okay because Coach Verdi said he still felt they played UMass basketball. And if they're doing that, that's all they can control. And so even with different players, a different rotation, if they're playing UMass basketball, then they can feel happy about that. They can feel good about that. They know if they made a few more of their shots, they they win. So... I don't think it's a moral victory, but I think there's consolation in knowing you played how you want to play. It was just a day where your legs were a little tired and your shots didn't drop. They talk about, like, winners and losers and games and trades and stuff like that. I think this isn't... You could you could play it two ways. You could play almost winner, almost loser. Mm-hmm. So I think there were a lot of things you can look at negatively, positively, but I think overall that this could have gone a lot worse for them. Like, imagine Sid Taylor's out and they end up losing that game by 25 points. Yep. Obviously, that didn't happen. If that happens, that would be a huge moral loss for this team. And so I'm glad that they, you know, really fought through this game. My one concern is that's kind of your last shot to get the national recognition. Yep. It's the highest, second highest ranked team they'll play in the net all season. Tennessee's still higher. They'll probably start falling. They keep losing. <laughs> Um, also, Missouri, a fringe March Madness team. ESPN had them as the first team out going into the game. When you go to A-10 play, there's not that many highly ranked or highly regarded teams in the conference. I think there's two, only two teams in the top 100 of the net currently. UMass is the highest ranked in the conference. So you're probably not going to get ranked all season unless maybe you run the table and some stuff happens. You're going to be on that bubble if you can't win in the tournament. So that Missouri game might be one you look back at. Selection Sunday in March said, if we won that game, we'd be feeling a lot better about ourselves today. Yeah, I think it may. I think it most it most hurts the wanting to be ranked in the top 25 because, like you said, the rest of the schedule not quite as difficult as or doesn't look quite as good as Power Five schools do. But watch out for this Columbia team on Saturday. We're going to talk about. More about them after the break. We're also going to talk Destiny Filoxi and her historic weekend for the UMass Minute Women. This is episode nine of the UMass Women's Basketball Show. Don't go anywhere here on WMUA 91.1, the official radio network of UMass Women's Basketball. <sighs> Me and my girlfriend are going through a rough patch. Oh no, what's going on? Ever since we moved out of our freshman dorm, it's been so difficult to see each other. Now instead of being able to walk 10 seconds down the hall to see her, I have to walk a whole 5 minutes from my dorm to hers. That sounds so hard. But I know something that can help. You can head over to Amherst College on Thursday, December 8th from 7 to 8 p.m. for a workshop on long-distance love. You'll be able to learn about love languages and effective communication, pick up swag, relax with some hot chocolate, and meet friends. 
This workshop teaches skills for both platonic and romantic love. So maybe we can go together to strengthen our own beautiful friendship too. If you have any more questions, you can email peeradvocate at amherst.edu. That sounds awesome. I'm so excited to go. Interested in joining WMUA, the student-run college radio station at UMass Amherst? Whether you're interested in pursuing a career in broadcast journalism, you have a passion for music, or you're just looking for a space on campus to call your own, WMUA is the place for you. From music and news to sports and public affairs programming, students of all majors and interests are encouraged to contact us today. To find out how to get involved, email us at WMUAProduction at UMass.edu. And tell us what you're all about. Before you know it, it'll be your voice broadcasting here on 91.1 WMUA, the radio voice of UMass Amherst. Are you an aspiring filmmaker looking for an outlet to showcase your work? Are you a movie buff looking to see some student-made films? Well, look no further. The second biannual Film Production Club Festival is here. On Friday, December 9th at 6 p.m., you can join the filmmakers in room S240 of the ILC to see a special screening of UMass student-made films. To submit your own film, email umassfilmproduction at gmail.com by Wednesday, December 7th. Hi, this is Destiny Philoxy, and you're listening to UMass Women's Basketball on 91.1 WMUA. Welcome back to Episode 9 of the UMass Women's Basketball Show on the official radio network of Minute Women Hoops, WMUA 91.1 FM Amherst. All of WMUA's coverage of UMass women's basketball is brought to you by The Quarters, located just off Route 9 on the bike trail in Hadley. The Quarters offers unlimited arcade play with 25 vintage games from the 80s and 90s, as well as a full food menu, draft beers, and cocktails. Weekly events at The Quarters include Monday trivia, Thursday karaoke, and weekend morning unlimited cereal buffet and cartoons. The Quarters also offers private events. The Quarters is online at hadleyquarters.com and on Instagram and Facebook. Alongside Chris Vogel, Sam Kinches, and Beckett Story, my name is Jacob Munch. And just prior to Eye of the Tiger, you heard Destiny Philoxy's voice come over the airwaves. It was a fantastic weekend for Destiny Philoxy, at least individually. History was set in Tempe two days ago. Not only did she break one school record, she broke two school records in the same day. It was just fantastic for Destiny this weekend. This is just... This is amazing. She is. She was here when the program was just in development, and to see all her hard work come to fruition at an individual level, and see where the program is now, and for her to be at the center of that, I mean, this is everything. I couldn't think of a better person to set history in such a unique way. Like, hats off, congratulations. This is historic. And the records that she set, she now has the most games played in program history, breaking a tie with former teammate Haley Lydell. Philoxy has now played in 124 games, most in Minute Women history, and she now leads in most assists in program history as well. She passed Sabria Mitchell, who had 578 assists in the mid-1990s. Philoxy now sits at 581 assists, being first in the program as well. And Sam, like you said, she was at this program when it was very, very low. She's the longest tenured member of this program, and she's made it all the way to the top where we're talking about possibly national rankings. We're talking about NCAA wins. She's been 
maybe the main reason for that. Yeah, I like that she's been in this program the whole time. You don't see a player that sticks with one program. It's very productive since they're a freshman, really. Yep. You look, a lot of teams around them, even UMass to an extent, built through transfers, and that's who you rely on. Like UMass brought in Breen from the, as a transfer a couple of years ago. Philoxy's been at one school for five years and been productive for five years. And I think what's impressive about her, she throws her body all around the floor. She takes chargers constantly. She has assists in so many different ways. But the way she's grown as a person, her first year, her first two years, she was feisty like crazy and would get in a lot of altercations. She has learned and she's matured to grow into the leader of this team because she's been here so long. She's been through it all. and She's someone everyone on the team looks for. And also, by the way, 500 and now 81 assists. That's a lot of assists. Philoxy, it's the season of giving. I guess so, yeah. And she has dished out great passes throughout her entire tenure here. And I congratulations to her for setting those two records. That is incredible. And her name's going to be up at the top, especially for assists, for a very long time. I believe the game's played. As long as she doesn't get hurt and keeps playing, that's probably going to be an unbreakable record because point, of the actually. COVID eligibility. If she gets up to about 140, 145 games, I don't think you can get that's that many insane. in four seasons. You're making a good point there, Chris. And yeah, 124 games with 15, 20 regular season games left, something like that. Hopefully four or five postseason. Exactly. She'll be coming close to the 150 mark. So it's been an incredible career for Destiny Philoxy, but she's been here for a very long tenure. Now we're going to go to a segment that has had a very short tenure. We've only had it for about a month, month and a half. It is... Bum, bada, bum, Stump the Senior. Jacob's record is currently 1-3. and three. A quick reminder, if you want to send a question into the UMass, send it to WMUA Twitter. Your question could be on the next Stump the Senior. Jacob, I, I was very kind with this question. I felt bad about the last one. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. This is U- the game against Arizona State. This is UMass's first Power 5 win since 2008. Who is the opponent? Colorado. Do you remember the score? Ooh. Um, the score was 75 to 68. 70 to 62. Yeah, I made, I made that score up. <laughs> I just tried to sound confident. <laughs> we'll give we'll get we'll get we'll give it. Jacob's on the board Let's with that go. one. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Congratulations. Very much it's crazy to think about. It's almost been like about close to 10, a long time since I got a Power 5 win. Like, this is insane. 14 years is a long That's year a long since time. a Power 5 win. And also, they've been very close at some points. You think of Boston College game two years ago, and then last year, and then the Tennessee game, the Iowa State game. Like, they've had a lot of very close Power 5 schools, and they finally get over the hump. It's a nice little perk for UMass, and it's a nice little perk for me to now be 2-3 and three in Stump the Senior. We are getting up there. <laughs> Not quite as good as the minute women are at basketball. We'll rely on him to get you tough questions if you pull it even. Okay, <laughs> great. Yeah, I don't want it rigged against me here. We're going to shift our focus a little bit now to what's upcoming. Don't sleep on this Saturday's game. UMass Columbia, noon at sat- on Saturday. That will be a fantastic game from the Mullen Center. It'll be James Rust and I on the call for that. And that game against Columbia could have huge end-of-season implications. There is a lot to like about this Columbia team. They played some tough opponents. They got blown up. Granted, they got blown up by Iowa State. But wins against Miami, 
wins against Seen Hall, Vanderbilt, Delaware, Memphis. Those are some very quality wins. And this is going to be a fun game to watch in every facet. This team is absolutely stacked offensively <laughs> as well. Like, it is actually dumbfounding to me. I pulled up the stats here. They have, yeah, five people scoring in double figures as an average this season, which is ridiculous. That's, I mean, they're, they're scoring 81 points per game, which is also a ridiculously high number. Um, yeah, uh, five people account for... 70% of those points. That is ridiculous. And this team averages 81 points per game. Yeah, if you look at the shooting numbers, almost 40% from three as a team. Ooh, That's that almost unheard absurd. of in men's or or women's college we basketball. thought Harvard was a good shooting team. But oh my gosh. Here, here's the one thing I think UMass can take advantage of them. No player on the roster is taller than six foot one. Mm. Columbia is probably the better team on the perimeter, but UMass has such a size advantage down low. That's going to be key to them. Last year when these two teams played, it was a shootout down in Columbia. The teams went back and forth. I think each team finished in the 80s. I don't have the exact score pulled up. But UMass has their hands full. This Columbia team, especially Abby Shu, she's one of the best players in the Ivy League. She's averaging 17 points per game this year. She's shooting the three ball at 46%. Like This Columbia team is lethal offensively. We might have another game kind of similar to the Drake game where both teams are just scoring a ton of ton of points, and it's a matter of who can get the last late run. Yeah, you, Chris, you talked about the rebounding numbers. Last year, you mentioned these teams played. The final score was 87-75 to 75 in favor of UMass. And, Chris, the formula is there. The proof's in the pudding. They out-rebounded Columbia by an overwhelming margin, 45-32 to 32 to mm. be exact. And even though Columbia shot the ball much better than UMass, especially from three, UMass found a way to adapt a lot of second-chance points, and I think that's your key to success. UMass has to want to rebound, though. We've seen Central Connecticut to start the season where they didn't come with 100% effort on the boards, and they got out-rebounded by a smaller team. You cannot let that happen because you will pay on the second chance. And I think it might go deeper than just defensive rebounding here. I think you also need to, well, I don't think, you also need to keep up with the team scoring. I mean, mm. defensive rebounds are great, but you need to score on the other end as well. And, I mean, as you know, Sam said, it was a high-scoring game, 87 points for the men and women in that game. They're going to probably need to score 75-plus again to beat them. And I think it also depends on who UMass has available. Yeah. Will McKenna White be able to play? We have no idea. We haven't gotten any updates on her since her foot injury. Will Sydney Taylor play? We don't know as well. All we know is that she didn't play during Sunday's game but was on the bench dress. So there's a bunch of different possibilities. And I think if Beckett, like you said, if this goes into a shootout, well, you'd love to have your best scorers on the floor, and that includes Sidney Taylor. But the want-to rebounding-wise, again, that could fall a lot on White and Taylor. Those two have been so good this season at getting rebounds, wanting those boards that sometimes the players off the bench don't necessarily have. I was about to say, if they aren't available, who's going to step up? Like, does Steph Kulesh step up into a higher level? Does Layla Fair have her break, fi- finally have her breakout game? Like, it's a really a question. I feel that there's so many, so much potential for somebody on the bench, if hypothetically they don't play, to have their moment. That's what excites me the most about this game. So, real quick, we'll go score predictions. UMass versus Columbia. I will start with Chris. Go UMass 82-79 in a battle of two currently projected conference champions. Sam? I was going to go something. I think it's going to be a gauntlet, absolute dogfight. I think it's going to be in the 80s. I'm going 85-82, to a little bit higher than Chris. I think it's going to be a tight game right to the finish. Wait, who wins? 
UMass wins 85 okay. to 82. <laughs> tough game right to the finish. All right. Well, uh, you took 85 from me, but I'm still going to put it there. Um, yeah, I'm liking, I'm liking 85 for UMass. I'm thinking they're going to pull away final couple minutes, maybe get a couple defensive stands, get a couple rebounds. Call it 85-76. I think I'm going upset. I think I'm going upset. I'm going to say Columbia pulls out the road win 79-78. to 78. Wow. Buzzer beater. Abby, Abby Shoes. Abby Shoes <laughs> going to hit the elbow jumper to win it for Columbia. That will wrap up episode nine of the UMass Women's Basketball Show. For Chris Vogel, Sam Kinchis, and Jacob Munch, my name. Wow. How do I <laughs> Thanks, keep messing Jacob. that up? For Beckett's story, <laughs> Sam Kinchis and Chris Vogel, I am Jacob Munch. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back next week at 1.30 p.m. for the next episode of the UMass Women's Basketball Show. Tune in to UMass vs. Columbia on WMUA Saturday at noon or head out to the Mullen Center.